speak on the subject of faith, but uh, I also would like you to know that this coming Sunday in the evening, I believe it's 6 p.m., right, 6 p.m., uh, Jacqueline will be teaching the two prophecies that came out tonight. tonight. Jacqueline will be teaching on prophecy and intercession. And uh, I really encourage you to be here, especially if you have a heart for that. You know, it's so important that you draw towards what God is working in your heart with. You know, you have to do that. There was a time in my life, all I wanted to do is healing. I wanted to know a lot about healing. And uh, I picked books on healing. Went to, if he's a healing minister, I want to hear. And, and something happens when you listen to the Word of God. There is an anointing. The Holy Spirit is involved. And as you listen carefully, and if your the, the desire is in you, the gift is imparted. You may know it, you may not. But it just the way the Holy Spirit works. He'll impart it on you, and then God will begin to use you in that area. So I encourage you to be here. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet back there. You can sign up so, uh, and try to be here on that Sunday evening. Amen? Amen. Now we'll be talking about faith, but I titled this, That Your Faith, your faith Fail Not. That Your Faith Fail Not. Uh, I don't know if a lot of Christians realize that your faith can really fail. You may have a lot of faith, but something can come into your life that will cause your faith to fail. And when your faith, when your faith fails, something is going to happen to your life. Something will, significant will happen to your life. It takes God's grace and prayer, usually from another individual, to get you back where you were before. So you really want to guard against that happening in your life. Your faith can fail. Uh, according to the word of God. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit will take full control this evening. And Spirit of God, I ask that you touch our hearts and our ears and our understanding. So that we can understand your word and move in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 10 through 12, the word of God says, Finally, my brethren, that you and I be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's your responsibility, not God's responsibility, for you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Not stand against the devil. God is not asking you to stand against the devil or fight the devil. He is asking you to stand against the wiles of the devil. So your real problem, my problem, is not the devil. It's not his demons. It's the wiles of the devil. That's what to stand against. 
It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able. This is the only way you can be able. You will not be able if you don't have all the armor of God. You will not be able if you are not strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. So the devil is after you and is after me. He can't do anything to you. He cannot do anything to me. The only thing that we have to watch out for, the wiles of the devil is deceit. And he'll come at you from with anything. So that's the thing to watch out for. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, don't just look at what you see in the natural. That's not the problem. There is something behind it. There's, there are spiritual forces behind it. When you seek, possibly there could be a spiritual force behind it. When your finances are being attacked, there may be a spiritual force behind it. We are not fighting flesh and blood, not the things that you see in the natural. These things are spiritual. You can see them, but they are there. So we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His mind. We need to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the words of the devil as he comes at us in different ways. We don't see him, but he's coming at us with his tricks. And if we we are not aware of his tricks, then we'll fall into his trap. And we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now all of that is to say the devil is powerful, but he really can't do anything. The only way he can get to you is through his deceit. If you can stand against his deceit, his wiles, you're okay. I don't have to fight with him. I just need to recognize which way he's coming at me. What trick he's using this time. His bags of tricks to get to me. If I can get against, if I can stand against those, there's nothing he can do to me. Christians need to be aware of his tricks. <laughs> Paul said something in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse, verse 11. He says, Lest Satan take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Huh. He'll take advantage of you if you are ignorant of his devices. He will. The only thing he can do is take advantage of you if you don't have knowledge. If you don't understand his bags of tricks, he'll take advantage of you. And that can be very serious. When you let him get in that way, he'll take advantage of you, he could kill you. You know, the Bible says that the devil, the thief, does not come except for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's trying to steal something from you. Now he's going to use his bag of tricks to steal something valuable that you have in your life. Now his bag of tricks can be anything at all. It can be your children, something happening to them to make you shift. He has a bunch of this. So what does the enemy really want from you? What is he after? Many times we think, you know, the devil is doing something to us, maybe in our finances, troubling our children, and all of that. And we think, well, that's what he's after. He's not after those kids. Yes, he's doing something to them. That's another bag of trick. 
is dealing with your finances. That's a bag of trick. He has, he's after one thing. I'm going to share with you tonight. Satan is really after one thing if you're a Christian. Only one thing. Because he gets a hold of that. Once he gets that, you're going down. You can't stand. You're not, you're not coming back up. It's only after one thing in your life. And that's for the whole world. He's after this one thing. And I'm going to share that with you from the scriptures in the life of Peter. In Luke chapter 22, verse 20, 31 and 32, he says, And the Lord said to her, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But he says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. So what was Satan really after? He wants his faith to fail. That's all he was after. Jesus said he was going to sift you as wheat. He has to destroy you. But what he really was after is his faith. And so he says, but I have prayed for you. When I let Satan have his way in your life, you will lose your faith. He said, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Jesus wasn't praying for Satan not to get to him. He was praying for his faith. That's the most important thing. Your faith, so that your faith will not fail. So whatever Satan is doing, he's after this one thing to make your faith fail. And look at what Jesus said. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. Now when your faith fails, guess what? You move away from him. You're walking away from Jesus. And unless somebody prays for you, if Satan has really got you, you're not coming back. If it were not for the prayer that Jesus prayed for Peter, that would have been the end of Peter when Satan got to him. Just to make him fear and to deny Jesus, that was it. Well, Peter could have repented, well, Judas couldn't. Judas couldn't repent. His faith failed. He was destroyed. He couldn't come back to Jesus. Now, so all of these things that the enemy is doing, the real the redemption is in Christ. Now, if you don't return to him, you're wiped out. If he's against your kids and your faith fails, he'll destroy the kids and destroy you. If it's against your finances, he's going to work on it, make it so uncomfortable for you to the point where you begin to question whether God is, and if God is really in your life, and, and you begin to wonder, and once your faith fails, he's got you where he wants you. He's going to destroy you because you're not returning to the Lord. He's really after your faith. And then speaking to you and speaking to me, when difficulties come into your life as a Christian, that's why the Bible says we shouldn't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. The enemy, if he's involved, he's trying to shake your faith to see if you will give in and give up faith in God and begin to look for other solutions. So the difficulty is now, God allows it because there is a reward if you stand. 
He says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. You do everything to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's coming at you with all kinds of things, trying to put you down, get you discouraged, get you to give up, get you not to want to go to church, just sit at home and feel bad and feel sorry for your situation. If he's got you, he's got you on the ropes. He's going to finish you up. But if you recognize that what he's doing is trying to take away your faith, that's when to go to the world and begin to tell the Lord, God, I believe in you. I don't care what he's doing. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the enemy was trying to steal their faith. And there was a furnace behind them. Give up your faith and bow. If you don't bow, I'll put you in there. But they wouldn't give up their faith in God. The enemy wasn't concerned about them bowing. If they bow, they've given up their faith. They are not returning to God. It's over. Think about it. They could have bowed later and then the king says, why didn't you bow in the first place? What happened before? Why didn't you do that before? And they may not be out of trouble. But they refused to bow. He couldn't take their faith. They said to the king, we don't care. Our God that we believe in, he will deliver us from this fire and from your hand. We know that. But even if he chooses not to deliver us, we are ready to die. Many of us are not there when troubles come. We give up. And we begin to complain. And we begin to say all kinds of negative things. These guys didn't complain to God. They didn't say, God, why did you allow the king to to bring this type of thing to pass? So that we have to do this. Why did you allow the king to think of this terrible thing to make us bow before an idol? Why? They didn't say that. They said, we're trusting in our God. We're not going to give up our faith. Forget it. But when you stand against the wiles of the devil and you refuse to give up your faith, when the test is over, guess what? You get promotion. You get promotion. That's what we need to recognize about the God that we serve. I tell you what. If you don't get promotion here and God allows you to die because of the fact that you refuse to let go of your faith for the whole of eternity, you'll be one of the best that God has created. It's a great honor to give up your life for faith. You're blessed. I read somewhere that Martin Martin Luther, the reformer, they said... uh, all his life, because some of his friends that went that way with him, some of them were being killed. And he was crying out to God and said, there's something wrong with me. Why wouldn't you allow me to die like the rest of them? Why, do I, why am I spared? Something wrong in my life? Because they considered those who wouldn't give up their faith, and those who died for their faith, To have obtained the best in life. And that's what it is. You have to stand with your faith. So that's what Satan wants. Now, if you give in, if you don't understand the wiles of the devil, and the devil is able to trick you to give up your faith and get discouraged and begin to complain and hang your head down, he'll put you in bondage. 
Let me read uh, a scripture here in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse uh, 25, 26. It says, In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. Knowing the truth is very important. That will help you against uh, the wars of the devil. You can know the truth. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. So when Satan deceives you, you're snared. He traps you. And why? It says, having been taken captive, you become his slave. To do what? His will. When you give up your faith, Satan takes captive of you. You become his slave. And he's going to use you for his will. But also he wants to destroy you. Remember what the Bible says. That the devil like a roaring lion. Roams about. What is he doing? Seeking whom he might devour. How? If you let him. If you fall for one of his tricks. But basically all I'm saying. And I said it on Sunday here. No matter what's going on in your life. Constantly remind yourself. God is. I don't understand why things are like this for me. And I go through that all the time. There are a lot of things you have to deal with in life. And you're wondering. But I know God is. And if I can stay on the fact that God is. I'm going to be free from it. Unless there is no God. But you and I know there is a God. We tend to forget that God is. When we're dealing with situations. These are the tricks of the devil. Once you give in to depression. And discouragement, he's got you. You fell for the trick. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you fall for the difficulties, what the enemy is doing, maybe through the children, maybe through your husband, maybe through your wife, maybe through somebody in church, or maybe somebody at your place of work, whatever it is. Maybe through your finances. Things all of a sudden, the burden falls out, and you don't, you were not expecting it. Nice happened, and you're discouraged. You don't know what to do. When you begin to feel that way, don't talk to anyone. You can talk to those who are around, but go find a place to pray and encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Tell God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. I trust you. I know you'll come through for me. I trust you, God. I trust you. Let him hear it. You let yourself hear what you're saying. Speak it out loud. And encourage it. David encouraged himself in the Lord while people were talking about stoning him to death. If he was discouraged like the others, he couldn't speak to God and God answered. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And after he encouraged himself in the Lord, he asked God, what should I do? God said, do this. He said, should I go after them? God said, yeah, go after them. Are you going to deliver them? He said, yes. If he was discouraged, God would not speak to him. God would not speak to him. He first encouraged himself in the Lord. Was God aware of the circumstance before it happened? Yes. Could he have prevented it? Yes. But he chose not to. And David got a great victory. And notice, right after that last victory... On the other side of that victory was David becoming king. See? That was the last trouble from the enemy. 
And he was a big one. His wife and his kids were all gone. His wives, I should say. And his kids were all gone. And his men that loved him, they were, they were talking about stoning him to death. Saul at that same time was in battle dying. The next king was David. And here was trouble. <laughs> this king dying. If he had failed, possibly wouldn't have made it. But he stood his ground on faith. Refused to be discouraged. He was discouraged as a man, but he cried out to God. And God heard his cry and answered him and gave him a strategy. And he came back with everyone. Not a single soul lost. Sometimes we don't know, you know, when things are happening, God knew beforehand. How is it that those people didn't kill just even a single soul in his family? Even before he prayed, God was protecting them. Right? I believe he was. Now, there was time. There was time between the time he prayed and the time David got them back. But I believe that if David had dis- became discouraged and started to complain to God, guess what will happen in battle in, with those people? Some of them could have been killed while he was doing that. Because he had given up his faith. But God was able to keep every soul. Not one soul was lost. Again, always remind yourself. And I'm speaking to myself as well. You understand what I'm saying? I do this all the time because all of these circumstances keep coming. I don't have to know the whole Bible. I just know there is a God. And God help me to be on your good side. Amen? I just want to be on your good side. And as long as you are, I'm well. I'm gonna, you take care of me. I don't know the future, but you do. And if I'm on your good side, I have a good future. Nothing's going to happen to me. Nothing's going to happen to my kids. Nothing's going to happen to my wife. Nothing's going to happen to our finances. Nothing's going to happen to our church. Now, there may be difficulties that I can see in the natural, but I don't want to look at them. I talk over them. I don't want to repeat those things. God is good. His mercy endures forever. So don't talk about those things very much. If you can rejoice... Even in the face of those things. And tell God that you believe. That he will take care of it. Tell him over and over again. God I believe. Even when you are feeling down. Let him know you believe. I do this. God I believe. But because of how how I'm feeling inside. I say God help me. Help me. I believe. Help my own belief. If there's anything like that in me. Help me. But I do believe. So what are some of the enemies of faith? What some of the things that the enemy uses to get us down so that we lose our faith? What are some of his strategies to make us to begin to lose our faith gradually where you're not even aware something is going on in your life and that he's setting you up for destruction, for you to eventually lose faith in God? The first thing is lack of fellowship with God and man. I will explain what that is. You know, I preach almost, uh, almost every Sunday. Not every Sunday, but almost every Sunday. But 
when I've been away from preaching for a few weeks, and it's time for me to preach again, and I say, God, can I still remember how to do this? I don't remember how to do this. Can I still do this? I know I'm making a true confession to you. I'm a little bit concerned, okay? I'm a little bit concerned. And I'm wondering, oh God, help me. It's not like I feel like I'm very good, but now I haven't done this for a while. And even so, sometimes I still do that. I say even tonight, it's God, please help me. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> help me. I have all these ideas, but how do I put it out so the people can understand I need your help? When you haven't been practicing for a while, you have a little difficulty. Staying with, in fellowship with God it is a good thing because you get used to being in His presence. When you have been away from His presence for a while, it's not that fun to come to His presence. It's a little difficult. And that's what the enemy uses. Satan uses all of those things. Prayerlessness. Are you going for weeks without praying? I mean, believers, born again believers, going for weeks without finding a little time, not even five minutes, to spend time with your father. How could you, how are you going to know him? How can you have faith in him when you don't even talk to him? It'll be hard for a husband and wife to be in the same home and, and they don't talk for a month. That's going to be a very tough relationship. How are you going to trust the other person? They've gone out and they come back saying, no word, go to sleep, wake up the next day, walk on. You wonder, what, who is this guy? He gets like a stranger. For weeks, you know, Christians don't, they haven't spent time, not even a short time, They're so busy. Not a time to spend with God. And you're a Christian. This is heaven you're talking about. And you have a serious enemy who's looking for any way to destroy your life. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Now, he can lie to us. You, even the faith that you have is a gift from God. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So it's the gift of God that God needs to walk on and put fire to so you can really grow. But if you don't spend time with him, you might lose your faith. You won't even know how to walk with him. How could you know his heart's desire if you don't spend time with him? He doesn't have time to inject his desire in your own desire. The desires of a righteous man shall be granted. You know why the Bible says that? Because when you are spending time, the righteous man with God, your desires become his desires. He, put, he will inject his desires into your own desires. And you think, it's my desire. No, he's not. yours is coming from him. But if you don't have time with him, your desires will not be his desires. And you can conjure faith on your own to believe for something, especially something that's bigger than you. And when trouble comes, you're not familiar with him how to talk to him. So a lot of Christians go, you don't realize this is a strategy from Satan. How many of you, if you try to, uh, it's happened to me. I try to pray and I go into deep meditation. 
It's never happened to you. <laughs> you're trying to pray, you know. And then you say a few words, especially if you're real quiet. So I, I have another strategy. I, I, I speak real loud. <laughs> I can go to sleep. And, you know, in those days, I found out that if I'm having trouble going to sleep, just pull your Bible and try to read. I mean, that happened. And some of you say, that's a blessing. No, that's the enemy's work. That's not a blessing. He doesn't want you to read the book. And so you find this new secret, and you find, so you know now that if I try to read God's word, I go, that's wonderful. God bless me. No, it's not God. He's the enemy not wanting you to read the book. He'd rather put you to sleep if you try to read the book. And you call it a blessing. I was trying to read the Bible and I really went to deep sleep. Oh, that wasn't good. He doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want you to be in fellowship with your brothers and sisters. Some people, it becomes even a habit. You know, they just, he doesn't even occur to them. That they should be in the house of God. But you know, you know, I like meeting with uh, some of our men on uh, Tuesdays. Iron sharpens iron. You read that in the scripture? Iron sharpens iron. When I go to church and I see God doing something through Pastor Andy or through somebody in the church, I feel like, wow, that's wonderful, God. That's great what you're doing in their lives. What have I been doing? God, please help me. I'm not jealous. I just want God to use me. Amen. I just, and then you, you see God. Why? Because this man's life is challenging my life. When God has done a miracle in that person's life, maybe I'm having difficulty financially, and I go to church, and this girl, guy is saying, boy, God really blessed me, and look at what he's done, and I'm still struggling. I say, God, what happened to me? You've forgotten me? I'll cry out to him. And he answered me as well. But if you are alone, you're not going to burn very long. Now, if you have a fire going, okay, and you have pieces of wood together, the fire will be gone. Take one of those out. What happens for a while? It still be burning. I'm still okay even though I'm not going to church. Yeah, you're still burning for a while. But before long, the flames will start dying down. And the next thing you know, you are scored. And maybe a little wind, and then you glow for a while and say, I'm still alive. But before long, you're gone. Fellowship is very important. You have to come up with that habit. If, if faith in God, if you can recognize that you can't make, you can't work out faith, it's being with God and spending time with the Word and in prayer that your faith will become strong. And you won't even be, you, you won't be aware of the fact that your faith is getting stronger. You just have it inside of you. And when it's needed, it's right there for you. Faith is like your hands to take stuff from God. And if you haven't been using your hand for a very long time, it's going to be a real problem. Now, Turn with me, this scripture is not Jude. Jude is uh, right before Revelation chapter 1. 
Okay, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> okay. Verse 20. It said, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So how do you build yourself up in your faith? How do you strengthen your faith? Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. You build yourself, you edify yourself. In other words, you encourage yourself, your faith, by spending that time praying in the Spirit. And if you're not doing that, then your faith is going to get weak. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you don't open yourself to the Word of God, guess what? Your faith will get weaker and weaker. And so this is one strategy that the enemy uses. And when he knows that your faith is really down and you can't really rise, then he hits you with something really tough and then it's hard. I tell you the truth. It's better to build yourself up in faith for your healing before cancer comes. I was talk, I think it was Pastor West this uh, last uh, staff meeting. Was talking about a man that came here with uh, cancer from uh, from another state and wanted prayer and was prayed for, and uh, the cancer left. I didn't hear anything about it, but uh, then after months, after he's been free, the thing came back again. And uh, I was told that he wanted to talk to me, and I was in the office. There, I spent probably 30 minutes to an hour encouraging him, but he didn't need any encouragement. He knew. He was strong in faith. He, I, I said, look, brother, you are already past this thing. That's what I told him. You are halfway, if not all the way through this. He says, and he was talking to me. I, I guess one of these days he's going to be in our church to testify. He was talking to me. He was so strong in faith because he had been, you know, studying the scriptures. And he really believed God and was talking, you know, real positively about what he believed. And then the doctor said, well, you'll do, we'll give you medical treatment and, you know, for three months and then we'll do some other thing. And either way, your case is really bad. You will, I don't know how many months they give him, maybe three months or so. He said, no, I don't need your medicine if that's the case. Why would I, just for three months? Guess what? He's totally free from cancer. Totally free. He refused to listen to the doctors. He refused to listen to their report. He had imbibed the word of God and faith was coming. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He had that in him. And so nothing they said bothered him. I was glad to talk to him. I could have stayed with him two hours talking. Because I didn't need to really encourage him. He just needed prayer. But it's got to be inside of you before the evil day. There is an evil day that is going to come. There is an evil day. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching here. That scripture from the days I was a new Christian, I decided that scripture is not going to be fulfilled in my life as the manner of some. 
That's not going to be a part of my life. Even when I'm tired, I will make sure that I want to be in the house of God. When we are on vacation, if it's Sunday and I'm not in church, believe me, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. If there's a possibility to go somewhere, unless I figure there is, I don't know this place, I don't know where to go to church, I don't know how to get to church, then I'll relax. But my mind is there, I want to be in the house of God. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Are you glad? He said, God, he knows that, those things. <laughs> and those things mean a lot to him. That's why David is dearly beloved of the father. David, the king. There was a king. He gets excited when it's time to go to God's house. He looks forward to it. So he was a man after God's heart. And God made a special covenant with David. He said, from your line, from your lineage, there will always be a king. And we understand that to be Jesus. He is the king of kings. A man who loved God. David says, my soul thirst for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He longed for the house of God. And you read the Bible. He was talking about being in the house of God. Constantly. And it's his heart. Even when he couldn't go to the temple. He wanted just to drink water. From that place. That was a man who really loved God. And God would not let go of David. He loved David. And David loved God. He was a man of faith. Read. He was a king and a prophet. A prophet at the same time. Reading in uh, Acts, Acts of the Apostle. He says because he was a prophet. Many of us don't think of King David as a prophet. But he was. Who wrote all, most of the Psalms. That's David. That's a prophet's work. But he was a king. Because he loved God. And had great fellowship with him. There was he reading the scriptures many times. Would just go into the house of God and just sit there. He won't say a word. Sit there. You read about Anna? Hannah in the Old New Testament? Um, what's the name of a lady that was in the, in the uh, New Testament that took Jesus? She lived, she, she was married and she left her. Huh? I guess so I can't remember. I know if Hannah in the Old Testament, Pastor don't remember this. <laughs> but she was in the house of God constantly. And when Jesus came, she recognized him. She left her husband. Her husband was dead and she stayed. She was a widow. She stayed in the house of God. for That was her home. And God honored that. Made her to see his son before she went home to be with the Lord. Being in God's house is so important. Don't take that lightly. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Then let me go to this and I'll finish. Ignorance is one case. Ignorance, that's another trick of the enemy. He wants to keep us ignorant. The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's only through knowledge, spending time to study the word of God. 
I like talking to people, especially before I became a minister, when they give me hard questions, you know, and stuff like that. I really like that. Or I hear something that I didn't know of before or sounds a little bit off. I use it for my benefit. I go back and I study the Bible. I'll spend hours trying to find out where he got that from. And after I'm through with my study, I come to my conclusion about what is being said. And I know those scriptures now. I know what God has said in those areas. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't grow in grace without knowledge. You cannot. Grace comes through knowledge. And I'm not talking about just knowing. It's through revelation. But revelation only comes if you are making an effort to get revelation from God. And you're praying about it. Paul said, I never cease to pray for you that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So even after you have been saved, you still need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So you pray and you study the word of God. And you can even ask God after studying, God, I don't understand what this is. Could you explain it to me? The disciples did that to Jesus. They said, Master, you said these things we don't understand. Tell us. So who are we to go to today? Are we in disadvantage? No. The Holy Spirit will teach us. If you want to know, but I mean you're first really want to know. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, brother. I got confused there a little bit. <laughs> okay. But ignorance, and let me read this around and I quote, uh, I close. First, uh, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. You want multiplied peace? You want multiplied grace? Well, only through the knowledge of our God. Only through that. Once you know who God is from his word and you believe his promise. Now you can't just believe as soon as you study the word, you repeat the words, you pray the words, he becomes a part of you and you're set. You're set. You, nothing shakes you anymore. That's what Jesus meant. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine, I will liken him to a man who's built his house on, on the rock. Things will come at you, but you'll still be standing when it's over. Because you built your house on the word of God. And you spend time digging into that rock to make sure you have a solid foundation. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. So that when the evil day come in, I'll continue with this message. There's an evil day for every man. It comes when you least expect it. And if you are not ready, he'll take you out. Steal your faith. Stand up with me tonight. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We know you are a good God. And we gather just to know more about our God and to know your ways. You showed your acts to the children of Israel, but your ways to Moses, 
Today, we don't just want to see your acts. We want to know your ways. And that's what we're asking. So that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all to stand. You said we should stand. I thank you, Lord, because your word is in our heart. And your word in our heart will bear fruit. And the fruit that we bear will be pleasant to you. And we thank you, Lord, because you are pruning us even now. And Lord, you are filling our hearts with that desire to come to you constantly. And to love you. You said, those that the Father has given to me, no man can pluck them from my hands. And we don't want to walk away from you. Every time that happens, by your grace and through your high priestly prayer, we will always return to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.